Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com and by DieHard. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. And that's Alec Webb, our announcer on MotorWeek. And welcome, everyone, to our MotorWeek podcast number 107. I am John Davis, at least last time I looked. And joining me today around our table in Studio C at MotorWeek World Headquarters is writer, producer, and two-wheeling reporter Brian Robinson. Hey-o. Our road test producer, Ben Davis. Hello. Our assistant producer, Greg Carlos. That's me. And our writer extraordinaire, Patrick Lucas. Put the music back on. <laughs> It sounds better. Uh, We've got a lightning round. We've got a viewer question. But, you know, we're all about cars on Motor Week. And this time we're going to start off with one of the biggest um, shootouts that we've done, uh, challenges uh, in recent uh, years. Our latest midsize sedan challenge. And for kind of the details on what went on there, I'm going to turn it over to Brian Robinson. All right. Well, uh Yes, 10 vehicles. Uh, midside sedan segment is ob- obviously a uh, very popular one. Uh, a lot of entries. So uh, it was interesting. It was a typical uh, challenge that we do with cars.com and USA Today. Uh, we had 10 of them. And, uh, could could the, you say, uh, what do you think about the state of the midsize sedan? Were they all fine? Uh, yeah, I mean, they're all great vehicles for sure. Like I said, it's one of the most popular vehicle segments out there. So I think everyone, uh, all the manufacturers take it seriously. And, you know, you're not going to buy a bad midsize sedan right now, I wouldn't think. Um, really, it came down to just details, you know, what you get for the money. Um, comfort, noise was a big thing. Some uh, some cars are extremely quiet, you know, in luxury car territory, and some are kind of loud and obnoxious. I mean, that makes a big uh, difference if you're going to drive the car every day. Um, Do you remember the Subaru being particularly loud? Subaru Legacy was uh, super quiet. It was one of the quietest that we had. Yeah, yeah. they definitely we were, stepped that we up. We were very impressed with that when we yeah. did our Did you think otherwise? Uh, it might have been – I can't remember what it was now because I remember something being really loud, and I think I, I just – I'm thinking of a different one. But <laughs> Not to get too off topic, uh-huh. but when they all 10 cars were lined up outside, I was amazed how um, similar they all looked to one another. Yeah, mm-hmm. very, yeah. if you put them all in profile silhouette, yeah, you Especially would Especially profile. No, yeah, no it's always called what. the refrigerator <laughs> class. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's all about packing the most amount of space that you can in that body shape. And um, making it somewhat uh, attractive looking, and uh, there's only so many directions you can go with that. I mean, you're talking about a vehicle that's got to carry really five adults. Five adults and uh, a lot of trunk space for mm-hmm. uh, carton groceries. And without spoiling the uh, results too much, alert. did, did uh. you uh, agree with the top three or five or uh, the rankings in general? Yeah, for sure. Knock off I mean, the top four. Yeah, I mean, the winner was the Hyundai Sonata, uh, which really wasn't a surprise. I mean, some of these comparisons we do. You know, it's kind of obvious from the get-go what's going to win. Some come right down to the wire. But uh, this one, it wasn't so obvious. But, I mean, the Sonata is always uh, a lot of uh, features for the money, and that's what a lot of people look for. But number two was kind of a surprise. Two was the Legacy, right? Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Subaru Uh, Legacy. I mean, the only all-wheel drive car in the the and the pack and up till a few years ago not really a, a contender in the in this class yeah they definitely took it seriously with this uh, latest redesign as, as i said earlier super quiet also safety features which are a big seller you can get the eyesight which a lot of people say is the best uh, system out there and consumer the automatic and braking and so forth yeah and it's cheap i think it's uh, around a grand or under mm-hmm. so um you know we had a price cap on this as as with all the 
uh, comparison. So it's interesting to see what manufacturers kind of put a priority on, whether they want a lot of the comfort features or whether they want to go with, uh, you know, the sporty styling or, or however they want to go. But you can kind of get it all with the Legacy. So that was second. Um, third was the Passat, Volkswagen Passat. Yeah. And that was surprising for sure. And uh, That's I on think, its last leg, isn't it? Yeah, that's an older design. I think it's really just how huge that car is inside. It's enormous on the I inside. I mean, people that aren't familiar, you know, we had a couple of people that had never even been in a Passat and had no idea what to expect. And you get in that thing, and it's just a ton of space, and it feels like a full-size car inside. It drives nice. Uh, small turbo engine, but a lot of power. It's fun to drive. Uh but again, that's probably the old, one of the older designs in there, and you still have to worry about where Volkswagen is on their reliability situation. And fourth place was Mazda Six, which is always a this uh, is a favorite of ours. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's for, a good looking car for all the same reasons. Uh, you know, we talked about how they all look the same. That's probably the only one that doesn't. That and the Hyundai maybe that don't look the same. Uh, and it's always fun to drive. That one's a little bit noisy. I want to talk, talk about that talk a little bit about yeah. I want to talk about number ten, the last place okay. car, which yeah. which which I think surprised everybody. That was definitely a shock for sure because uh, it's the most recent redesign of anybody. I mean, it the Toyota Camry. Yeah, it wasn't even on sale uh, when we did this. So, and I just spent a lot of time in the car myself, and they, you know, it's it's a mid-cycle refresh, but they actually have done a lot to the car, and I really liked the car. Uh, I thought it it rode much better than Camrys in the past, handled better, felt better just all the way around. And the powertrains have always been very good. But you folks in your test singled out one thing in particular that really sort of degraded uh, how you felt about the well, car. Well, there were a couple of things. Uh, the interior fit and finish was, uh, I think, the biggest In the thing. SE, you had like yeah. a lower mid-level. Yeah, it did not look uh, up to the standards of everything else in the segment. It was also another one that was pretty noisy. Uh, both in the powertrain and wind noise. So I have to say that the, there's a price cap on this class, right? I think it was twenty seven twenty seven thousand, yeah. and so a lot of what we everything is based on how the manufacturers package these cars to send to this test and how much they can put in the car for the price. Correct. And so if the car is a relatively expensive car and they don't put as many features in, obviously it's not as good a value for the money, and that may have hurt the camera. Yeah, I think so. And, yeah, this, the winning formula seems to be get as close as you can to that price and, you know, prioritize interior features and comfort features. Stuff you touch over, every day. Yeah, over 17-inch wheels or, you know, a rear spoiler or whatever, stuff like that. Right. For full, uh, we've got obviously the video on our website at motorweek.org, but for full details, where do you go? Cars.com, usatoday.com. Uh, basically, uh, you, cars.com. Uh, has uh, all the complete rundown of how everything did. Very good. Uh, it's a, it was a good test and uh, very interesting for anybody looking for a larger family car, which a lot of people are. Speaking of large, now let's go a little bit downstream. Uh, we all thought that midsize and uh, compact pickup trucks were pretty much dead when the Ford Ranger went away. Uh, we've got a couple of old ones out there, uh, Chevrolet, Colorado, and GMC Canyon stopped production. But now they are back. Uh, the 2015 Chevrolet Colorado and GMC Canyon have been uh, reborn, if it were, after a couple of years of hiatus. They are now, Great as word. before, midsize pickup trucks. 
Um, they're going to have a diesel engine in about a year. This awesome. is actually mm -hmm. GM's answer to Ford's aluminum F-150 saying, if you don't need that big a truck, you don't have to go way out on aluminum to get better fuel economy. Okay, let's open it up. We've got one in here. What do you think? Huge. It's huge. It's, it's not small. It's not it's small. It's, it's what, six <laughs> inches shorter than a full-size yeah, silver? It's basically small. what a full-size was 15 years ago. Yeah. 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 I was, that was the biggest shock to me. I, otherwise, other than that, I really haven't spent a ton of time in it. But I lined it up next to my Ranger, and I think there's two feet difference in length. I mean, it's a big truck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, inherent with these smaller trucks um, is a is a rougher ride than a full size truck, hmm. and that's something that I'm never going to get accustomed to. I would just spend the extra money and get a full size. Yeah, I love the fact that they're doing it. I mean, I think in America, the fact that a, no American company is building a small or mid-sized pickup w was an atrocity. So I'm glad they're doing it. But the problem still remains of how do you make a smaller pickup that's more fuel efficient and costs less? I mean, that's why they went away is because you can get a base mm -hmm. F-150 or a base Ram for less than, than what these things cost. Well, they've priced this truck very Competitively, at least at the bottom end of the spear. So actually, they was it twenty four stars. Yeah, and now but, you're looking at full size trucks with anything other than a work truck being more than that. But what's what's the transaction price? Is not going to be no. twenty five. But I don't think it's going to be it's going to be low to mid thirties. Yeah. Yeah. The I mean I I own a, a Ranger. And we don't need in our household a full-size truck. So we like something a little smaller. I have to admit, this would be appealing uh, versus even a full-size, but not as appealing because it's not that small. So I don't know. You think there's a market, I personally do, for a much smaller truck. Oh, I do, too. That could, with a price point that would put it at a nice third vehicle just mm -hmm. to have around. Yeah, and mid-20s MPGs, easy, easy to park. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And basically, and we L all thought L there was going to be one from India, but it didn't pan yeah, out. Yeah, I right. think Ford would be the perfect one to do it. I mean, they've got all the small EcoBoost engines with the 1.5 liter or the 2 liter EcoBoost. It can be a crossover based. You know, it doesn't have to be a, uh, when you're talking recreational use, it doesn't have to be a real steel frame. It can be on the Escape or one of their crossover platforms. Mm -hmm. I think they would sell a ton of those. But now it's clear why they didn't bring the redesigned Ranger into the U.S. is because it's as big as this Colorado yeah. and Canyon and it's steel bodied and won't get as good a fuel economy as the new aluminum F-150. So, But you're right. It, may, it probably needs to be a player that's not in the market right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's similar to like the Honda Ridgeline. Not mm. a true truck guys look at it and laugh, but then people that don't want a real truck, they just need a little bed space and want a comfortable vehicle to drive every day. Something along those lines. I yeah, think. I'm surprised they're not redoing the Ridgeline, but I guess it's it's. Uh, I don't know. They I've back heard and forth on back and forth, yeah. so I don't really know what. The, it sounded like maybe they're going to come out with something else. Yeah, I think we're going to wait till this next Odyssey comes out because that's the platform. So. Anyway, if you're looking for something that's not quite as big as a full-size pickup truck, uh, we're, we're generally quite favorable on the Colorado it's and quite Canyon. One more thing just yep. to ch chime in. I mean, the ride quality, I know, and interior quality especially. I mean, Ben said it's a little bit of a rough ride, but... Interior quality and comfort are way up, though. Yeah, yeah compared yeah. to the only two other trucks in the segment, which are the Frontier and the Tacoma. <laughs> yeah, which are there's no comparison. Yeah, yeah. there's absolutely no comparison. I agree, okay. agree. Right. agree. We just got to get that in there. Very nice trucks. <laughs> and, and good fit and finish. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to an, another pair, but this time uh, of the same, uh, well, another pair. 2015 Mercedes-Benz GLA. Okay, Smooth. we've had two versions of it in, back-to-back. Uh, -back. The uh, base 250 of... and the 45 AMG. All right, everybody. Uh, 
you know, we had this in the same time as we had uh, the Macan, so it was kind of an interesting comparison. But uh, so why don't, that can come up in your conversation as well. What do you think about the GLA? There was a lot of controversy between this car, between mm-hmm. Roberts Robinson and I. Ooh. I, I see it as a hot – well, the AMG version. I see it as a hot hatch. I do too. I was surprised at how small it was. And Me too. Yeah. For and a, it's cool. The AMG split, the this, this CLA or GLA 250, similar to the CLA in that it's such a base vehicle that it almost doesn't seem like a Mercedes-Benz. I mean, it's a little nicer than the CLA, I thought, mm-hmm. the base CLA. I think they did a good job of that. But, I mean, the one you want would be the GLA 45. And it's then a, but it's so expensive. Yeah, Sixty-five yeah. grand. Yeah. Yeah. Then you can buy two GTIs for that <laughs> price know. and My, have more room and almost as much performance. I had a guy walk over to me while I was filling it up at the gas station and begin to ask me how I got those Mercedes rims on my Mazda three. <laughs> and I stood back. Like, I stood back. Yourself, I stood back and I looked at the car and I was oh like, "He's goodness. right. This car wow. does profile yeah. look like a Mazda three. You have to look at it for a while, and it's uh, it's something that's." Sh- I think at first it kind of turns me away. I don't necessarily like it, but the more I look at it, the more I can, you know, wrap my head around it. But I still don't think I'm fully around it. Uh, it's kind of small inside. It's small inside. It's but the I spent a lot more time I think in the 45. That thing's a beast, man. That two-liter turbo puts out so much freaking power. It's crazy. It's the most powerful four-cylinder in the market. Yeah, I That's, thought it was the most a, power, powerful was a four-cylinder in the market. Fun. It, yeah. was it, fun. it was a lot But it of needs fun. a manual transmission because yeah. I see it as a Not hot hatch without yeah. a manual trans, which bums me out. And it was so it was so noisy inside. I was kind of oh, surprised so by that. Yeah, it's loud. It actually, I, I loved it, though. Yeah, yeah. But, I liked it, but my wife was like, oh, she was done after like an hour. She was like, well, done. When we were sitting... And that's who's probably going to drive those. When we were moving around just for, for uh, stand-ups, when I was just letting it idle, it actually hurt my ears at how low the frequency <laughs> was. It was it was a right. really weird feeling. It would drive you insane after a while. I think, well, that WRX, that long-term STI that we had was louder, I thought. Mm-hmm. Let's let's uh, do a little comparison though to the Macan. I mean, it was the, the AMG at sixty five grand was a lot of money for that size of vehicle. Well, the Macan I mean, that we had in was, was 80. eighty, and like and oh no my backup camera. gosh, and no backup camera. <laughs> well, and the GLA two fifty was in the forties starting. In Where is this market going? Yeah, are they, and bizarre. these these things are selling. I understand the Macan is, is flying off the lot. It's the fastest growing segment out there. Luxury compact crossovers. Wow. So from what I remember, the Macan is a lot. Well, maybe not a lot, but. It's substantially bigger. bigger. I wouldn't say substantially. Uh, I would say more interior space. If you, look, interior. If you yeah. look at it from the outside, you're like, wow, yeah. It's the Macan looks higher different. off the ground, yeah. wider, longer. Yeah. You're not going to call not. the Macan a hot hatch, that's for sure. Right. It's got an aggressive. St- it's got a stance to it. We'll drive it. It's pretty. Yeah. It's a little more rounded, looking like. Uh, yeah, it looks, it, it looks. I agree with that. Yeah. The, I was. I was surprised that the GLA 250 here looked a lot closer to the AMG than. From the CLAs, I remember there was a huge different or a huge like drop off in exterior look from the CLA 250 to the uh, CLA 45. Well, I think it did have like the this. AMG Sport package. Oh, yeah, it did have AMG. Never mind, <laughs> ignore me. <laughs> but I was upset to see that it didn't have keyless entry or push button start. Yeah, that's a big turn included. Off. Which I mean, uh, to start in the 40s without that is rough. You know, it makes uh, the uh, the new small entry from Lexus look really good. I think. Yeah, I haven't spent a whole lot of time in that one. Where, you've driven it, Ben. Where would you put that the in? The RC? No. no, no, no. The NX. The NX. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I was not a fan of the NX, basically because I don't care for how it looks. Mm-hmm. But I actually think in comparison, it now holds up really well against mm-hmm. these. 
Well, bottom line, Mercedes was like the only glaring omission in the segment. I mean, every luxury maker had a compact ute, so it was just a matter of time before they joined in. Um, uh, I don't know. I'm not sure how well it'll do. I don't know. Uh, they sure seemed either. to people. Uh, yeah. I did have somebody stop. Them, yeah. I did have somebody stop me on the road and ask what it was. So I like the. I thought the standard 250 was a nice vehicle. I mean, I, I didn't have a problem with that. I think that's one that you could get some practicality out of. But they are small and pricey. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's move on to our lightning round. Our panelists, uh, all of us, have two minutes to debate a trending so automotive topic. Okay. So, yeah. Two minutes for Greg. Um, <laughs> Gas prices in recent months have fallen noticeably, and uh, prices tend to fluctuate up and down like this. But if gas continues to remain at relatively affordable prices until the next world crisis, I guess, what will this mean for the short-term demand for EVs and other all-fuel vehicles, especially as they try to gain wider popularity? Darn good question, and I think we all know what the immediate answer is. Sales are going to drop off. Yeah, we were talking about it a little bit the other day, and uh, yeah, it's amazing how fickle people are. I mean, gas gets down below three dollars a gallon, and, and it's like, oh, I can go out and and buy a full size SUV. Yeah, Hummers, the used Hummer prices are way up, and it's like, wait a minute, do you, yeah. don't you think that maybe they might go up in six months from now? I don't know. <laughs> am yeah, I thinking? Am I overthinking it? Yeah, it's like as soon as it's like three hundred one to two ninety nine is like a huge. It makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, when it about five years ago, so when it dipped down to two dollars and so. Something. Mm-hmm. My wife and I almost bought an H two. See, my case in point. Uh, the interesting thing is, this is actually a huge buying opportunity, or it's going to be over the next three or four, maybe six months. For if you're looking at a, an EV or the current generation Volt, because the new Volt's going to be announced in January. There's going to be some incredibly inexpensive leases yeah, out there. And even Priuses. Or which even, for, and Prius, years, exactly. for years, you could never even see one in the dealership. Now they're like tons of them in dealers, and they yeah. get a super so cheap lease. So the leases are going to change that much, like that they, that quickly? They have every time gas yeah. has dropped before. I mean, I can remember there was a, a point where you know the, the lease was what? There was one with $99 a month, but 199 leases on Volt said they've come back and gone away several times, probably be back. Leaf already dropped their price by decontenting, so they'll do a cheap lease. Ford, um, the Ford Focus uh, Electric is probably going to have a good lease on it. The point is, I generally recommend if you're looking at an EV or something like an advanced hybrid like the uh, Volt that you look at the leases because they're often extremely, extremely attractive. Yeah, and you don't want to have to replace batteries on your own right. dime at some point either. So, and if sales fall off because of fuel economy, which looks very likely, all of these uh, hybrids and EVs and uh, so forth are going to have some very good values. So it might be the time, if you're looking for one as a second or third car, to be looking at them. Do you feel that diesel is going to... I think that's another topic, but I think it's worth answering because diesel fuel is still going to stay at a premium, and there's a lot of indication it's not going to come down nearly as fast as gas. Uh, I think it's going to uh, – it could short-term help diesel a little bit, but long-term for wide acceptance, it's definitely going to hurt. That's yeah, my. It's more about the conversation than the time limit. That's right. <laughs> okay. Now, now for people timing I, bef- at home, before we answer our viewer question from Jeffrey Wood Woodard, Jeff, I think you need to calculate. <laughs> and and, and oh, Jeff, no, no. you know, we all said at our desk, if this was a, a math problem, you were successful because I think we all did this. Here's the question. He's put this question to us. 
Which would be cheaper, driving a car 2,500 miles and staying in an $80 a night motel or driving a motorhome so you don't need a motel? Let's say, I assume he's going to park it at Walmart overnight. Let's say the car gets 40 miles per gallon on the highway, okay, and the motorhome gets about nine. Okay, I actually did some math. Um, my calculation is that if you drove 500 miles a day, Jeff, you're still better off with the car than the motorhome. But with that said, really, Jeff? Well, there's so many variables here. I mean, first of all, I would drive way more than 500 miles a day. But that's in a, mo- in a, you a motorhome? In a motorhome that what? 500 miles? You drive a motorhome more than 500 miles a day? Wow. Sure, why not? I mean, uh, the highway and set the up, man. at 70. Wouldn't it? That would mentally drain me. Just yeah. keep it in the long haul. Truck drivers could do. You know, not to mention if you're getting nine miles per gallon in your motorhome, that's a pretty small motorhome unless you've got a diesel. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know. You can Whichever one you want to do, you'll make it work. I mean, put it that way. Plus, you can't guarantee you get a hotel room for $80 a night everywhere. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so many variables here. Whichever one you want to do, and also a forty mile per gallon car. I guess we were talking about you know maybe the you know something like an Accord hybrid or that may a Camry hybrid might do it. But otherwise, you're talking about a pretty small car. Small car, yeah. With it sounds like you're going to be taking a lot of luggage too. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, Jeff. It seems to me whichever one of these two options floats your boats. I'm not sure there's a uh, purely on dollar and cents basis. Probably the car is the winner, but uh, you know you give up a lot of room. I would take the motor home just for the fact that everyone else can get up and wander around while you're driving. You can set the cruise control and do the <laughs> and switcheroo. You can go around. And, and do the switcheroo and uh, go back to the fridge and get something to drink. And, uh, but not while you're driving. And the... Uh, <laughs> You know, camping at Walmart for free, you definitely meet some interesting people <laughs> having done that. And uh, it's a great lifestyle. I say go for Spoken it. Spoken from our, our true RV amongst <laughs> our group. Oh, Jeff, uh, we're having fun with you. I hope you uh, have a thick skin. But thanks for the, very much for the question. And by the way, if you've got other questions for us that we can use in our podcast, please send them in to us. Well, that seems to wrap up our Motor Week podcast number 107. I want to thank everyone around our table, our writer, producer, and two-wheeling reporter, Brian Robinson, our road test producer, Ben Davis, our assistant producer, Greg Carlos, our writer and also the podcast producer, Patrick Lucas, our audio engineer, Jim Bigwood, who's uh, always in the back room making sure we uh, sound intelligent despite what we say, and, of course, our podcast creator, Bob Mixter. To all of you out there, thank you very much for listening. Thanks also for watching Motor Week on your local public television station and also on the Velocity Cable Channel. Till next time, I'm John Davis. For all of us at Motor Week, be safe. And thanks for watching and listening to Motor Week. You have been listening to the podcast of Motor Week, television's original automotive magazine. Motor Week is made possible by TireRack.com and by DieHard. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at motorweek.org. And watch Motor Week, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.